The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So I was looking through like new releases to watch while I was on the road. I'm on tour with Fozzie right now. And out of nowhere, I see this listing for Monster Factory on uh, Apple Plus. There's like a trailer going on. And I was like, I hadn't even heard of this show. So I, inst- I didn't know if it was a documentary, if it was a series. So I, 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 got, I got into it. I watched all six episodes. And so I thought it would be great to have some of the stars of the Monster Factory, uh, Bobby Buffet, which is one of the, my favorite wrestling names of all time, <laughs> which we're going to talk about, the, the, the Notorious Mimi, and then, of course, the founder, the, not the founder, but the leader, right. uh, Danny Cage, uh, kind of the uh, the teacher, the coach, the head of the Monster Factory. So I guess just to jump right into it, Danny, how did this series come about? Because I've heard about the Monster Factory for years, obviously. I've been wrestling since 1990, but I remember reading about the Monster Factory in magazines. Larry Sharp and Bam Bam Bigelow came from there. And Absolutely. Kind of tell us how, how, how the series came to play. It was, I mean, I was reading those same magazines you were, and yeah. it was my childhood dream to train there and all that. And once I bought the Monster Factory in like 2011, all these different people started reaching out to us to do all these different projects. And it was probably about 2015 or 16, this company uh, reached out to us, Public Record, and it was like a production company. And they wanted to put together like this little documentary just to show what they could do. So they filmed it, it was like 16 minutes, but we really got to see their vision of what wrestling was because they weren't pro wrestling fans. They just wanted to use us as a subject and once they dove in they're like oh my god there's so much here there's this is going to be big and then we stayed in touch over the years you know this is a a, a project that started in 2016 and here we are on apple tv plus that wasn't even a channel then right it was just coming around and keep on staying in touch and they had known mimi and bobby and twitch was in the original one and they knew Goldie and they would always stay in touch and Galen Summer and Will Krause and Jeremiah Zagar. And I guess it was around right when the pandemic hit, Apple was like, we're about to pull the trigger on this. And then the pandemic hit. And we're like, damn, right there. Mm-hmm. What was cool, though, and we saw that the commitment was they were flying people out to our school, closing the set off, testing everybody for COVID and filming like a concept, like a proof of principle concept for the show to give back to Apple. And right towards the end of the pandemic is when it got greenlit. It was right when another student had got signed. We got greenlit July 31st 
of last year and then went right into filming uh probably that following year around march i think we started filming so it was it was one of those things where you're like is this going to happen it's the whole story of hey we got this project in the works and everyone's like yeah i heard that before we, yeah, yeah of course and then it worked out and it, and it, the crew was so good like i'm so happy with the vision they had was almost identical to the vision i had well, it's interesting, too, because when you put your fate in the hands of the producers and, of course, in the edit as well, you never know what you're going to get. Exactly. The best documentary, either movies or series, are ones that get you interested in the in the protagonists, whether you like wrestling or not. Yeah. You know, and obviously I like wrestling, but I also <laughs> like the way that they, they did this with all the different characters and all the different stories uh, involved. And obviously there's so many different characters, but when we were going over, I thought it'd be great to have Bobby and Mimi on. Uh, so what was it like for you guys, uh, Bobby? Uh, and, and we'll get to you in a second, Mimi, when you're training at the, at the monster factory and you are obviously you know, preparing for your dream as a pro wrestler, then they got these cameras in there shooting this almost like it's a Jersey shore or a real world or that <laughs> sort of a thing, but with wrestling involved. So did you have any thoughts about this, Bobby, or were you just thinking, Oh, this will be cool or I'm scared. Or what would you think when you heard about it? Yeah, I thought it was cool, man. They had a bunch of uh, expensive cameras in there. Like they had camera train tracks. I never, never knew that was a thing. They was rolling cameras around. Them cameras was like $60,000 each. And um, I thought it was really cool to be a part of. But at the same time, it was kind of like business as usual. Because the whole time we've been training at the factory, we're preparing to get like TV ready. So we always had cameras in our face. He records training. We record our shows. You know what I'm saying? So we're used to being in front of a camera, kind of presenting ourselves as our brand always type of thing. No, Mimi, I've seen you around before. I know you, have you been at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium or those uh, with AW? Yeah, I did a few extra works with them a while back. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've never actually talked, I don't think, or maybe said hi or something. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, I recognize her for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was it like for you? Because you, uh, your story is, is actually pretty interesting as well, which we can get into in a second, but you were kind of the, the wonder kind 19 year old uh, kid <laughs> yeah. who's also one of the best students in the class Almost like the uh, you're like the Lance Storm. Uh, when I went to the rest of the school, I used to hate him because he was so good at everything. He used to piss me off. And that's kind of what you had when you were there at such a young age. I mean, definitely to start like piggybacking off of what Bobby said, it was like mostly business as usual with filming. I would always tell people like the biggest adjustment was just like learning how to do roles with a mic pack on. That was definitely very <laughs> weird. The only thing that I was always like a little anxious about, because as you're talking about, you know, my story is a little different and we were going to places like extra work with AEW or tryout matches with WWE or full WWE tryout is I was like anxious about what I should be talking about, what I shouldn't be talking about. What if this comes out after I get signed while I'm still signed and they don't like something I said? I was definitely a little bit cautious while I was filming because I didn't want it to like come off in a negative light or make it seem like it was a, a different situation than it was or mm -hmm. anything that would make people think that the tryout process was something different than it actually is. So, Danny, um, you mentioned when you bought the Monster Factory, and you, you touch on it in the documentary, but kind of tell the journey of how you ended up buying the Monster Factory. Yeah, it was wild, man. It was like somebody uh, had had like this wrestling school that they were running. They're like, hey, come on by and, and check it out. And I was like, sure, I'll come by. And like, I haven't talked to these guys in a while. So I went and I came by and I was just like, oh, this place looks great. And it's all these guys, you know, that invested in this wrestling school themselves. And I'm like, this is cool, guys. 
And they're like, hey, if you ever want to come by and help coach and stuff, come on by. I was like, oh, that's cool. I haven't been in wrestling in a while. I, I retired a while ago. Retired. I didn't even have a career. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, but, so, but, just, but just to jump in there, you were an independent wrestler for many years, then got out of the business. Yeah, I wrestled from like 98 to about 2004 or 5, and then like my back was just shot. I gotcha. had too many things, and, and I had a great paying job, union job. But um, I bumped into him. I went over there, and... Like, as we're talking and I'm at the school, they're just like, hey, Larry's coming by tonight. And I was like, yeah. And, and he's like, I think he's mad at us. I was like, no, he's not. I was like, if Larry's coming by, he's coming by to do business. I was like, Larry ain't coming by to yell at you. He's like me. He ain't going to bother. He came by and went out to dinner and got some drinks. And he's like, who do I talk to? Who's in charge? I was like, I have nothing to do with this. I was like, I'm just here to I was helping. And he's like, well, if they want to make this a monster factor, you have to be involved because I know you and I trust you with my life. And I was like, all right, are you guys down with it? And they're like, yeah, we did the deal. And then like those guys were like, yeah, we're going to go do our thing. You go do the Monster Factory because the Monster Factory is dead. And I was like, awesome, cool. <laughs> Me and Larry got this. And then uh, he retired and was it was done with it about 2014 or 15. Uh, he moved to Florida. The story goes, uh, I, I don't even get into the story after that because, you know, he, he just had some health issues and uh I just remember Larry prior to all that. It was it wasn't it wasn't good. Right. But I still I still love the guy. I still I wouldn't be in the position without him, of course. It was such a learning process because like when I bought it, he was like such a mentor prior, but then like it was like now that I'm handing it to you, I need you over here. So like I would get done work at like seven or eight and I would go over to Larry's till like four or five in the morning, uh, drinking beer and hanging out and just talking wrestling and then have to get up at seven, eight in the morning and go climb telephone poles for a living and then get back and coach again and then do it again and again and then take him to conventions and do this and do that. And and he like really took me under his wing. And every time we'd go in places and meet legends, they'd be like, hey, I want to talk to you about business. He'd be like, Dan's in charge now. He's the guy. And he was like passing the torch the whole time. So it was uh, it was so surreal to have it happen because I can still remember one time coaching in front of him. He started laughing at me and I have really bad anxiety issues, like super social anxiety issues and, and stuff like that. So now right away, I think my coach that mentored me is crapping all over me. So I turn around and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, no, 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 nothing. So then he does it again. I'm like, what? And he goes, I'm just laughing because you're saying everything I would say, <laughs> but you're doing it how you should be doing it now for this crowd. Cause like he realizes like the way he was coaching in the eighties and nineties, he couldn't get away with that. And that was a cool thing for him to realize that a lot of people would make stories up or tell stories about Larry, but Larry was always a good guy to me. Like he saved me tons of money and heartache back in the day. Everybody would leave WCW or WWE and have this idea for this groundbreaking federation. And I remember it was back in the nineties, late nineties, a group left WCW and they're going to start this urban wrestling federation. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Right. Right. And they did a try at the monster factory and I got chosen. Uh, Larry pulls me in the office. He goes, hey, hey, bud, uh, they picked you. Uh, so uh, you're going to leave for L.A. if you want it. But um, you're not going to leave a awesome union job with benefits and all for a federation that's going to crumble in three months, are you? And I was like, no. Nah. And he goes, good. I already told him no for you. And I was like, all right. And then, and then three months later, it folded. <laughs> and Larry would have got money for that. Larry gets money for getting people signed. So Larry turned down money to look out for me. So if that's a carny and if that's someone who's not a good human, then I guess so. But uh, I think it was pretty cool of him to do, you know, for a 20 something year old kid. Sure. You know, so that's just my story about Larry and little stuff like that. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So Mimi, how old are you now? I'm 20. You're 20, right? So, so we're, we see you in the in the Monster Factory doc. You're 19, maybe younger, 18, 19. 18. What uh, attracted you to wrestling at such a young age, especially as as a, as a female, uh, knowing what you want to do so early on? Because as, you're still a teenager. Which is, by the way, I started wrestling when I was 19 too. So I, I understand where you're coming from. But how was that for you, you know, in the modern era of 2022? So all things considered, I actually didn't start watching wrestling until like a little later on than most people. I feel like most people really grow up watching it. I didn't grow up watching much TV at all, but my sister found it on YouTube when I was probably like 13 in seventh grade. (laughs) It was honestly right around the time you just come back to WWE. It was like the Royal Rumble of 2016, more or less. Like she showed it to me because she thought Roman was hot and I thought the wrestling was cool. (laughs) Once I started like getting more into the women's side of things, I just fell in love with it almost immediately. And I think I signed up for my first youth clinic like a year later. Because I just immediately knew it was something I wanted to do. So did you live close to the Monster Factory? Like, How did you end up going to Danny's school? So I grew up in Pennsylvania. I didn't live that far from the Monster Factory. It was probably about an hour away. All things considered, I would have, you know, their school's closer to me. But considering I was 14, Philadelphia has very specific laws and Pennsylvania has very specific laws through the Athletic Commission about how old you have to be to start training in pro wrestling and how old you have to be to be able to perform. So I just kind of skirted around that, crossed the border over to New Jersey and trained with the factory. Yeah, because I remember after, you know, after Jay Briscoe passed away, hearing the stories about how when Jay and Mark started, Mark wasn't old enough to to be on the show. So they had to like kind of put the masks on, put the masks on. Mm. If anyone asks, I have never been in the 2300 arena before I was 18. (laughs) Totally not. Never saw that. Never happened. There are doppelgangers out there. Exactly. There's a a guy on Jeopardy the other night when someone posted. Oh, my God. Yeah. You see that? I was like, what if I ever worn that suit? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's not even me who is that guy i thought it was you me too i was like that guy can murder somebody and i'm going to jail bobby how about you which i, I love your story because once again like obviously you come across both you guys actually i wanted you guys on the show come across as just very likable people and you come across and i think this is part of danny's influence you don't care i mean dude you're a big dude and and you know you got the gut is hanging out there's no singlet it's just i'm bobby buffet the name is buffet he tried he tried so, he tried so, to so, cover up i would let him <laughs> you had to put me on fresh feet like that <laughs> <laughs> but that's something that could really get over uh, you see that and it's different because you just you know obviously you're very athletic as well but how did you get into the to the how did you get in the monster factory and how did you uh finally let go and just say i'm gonna i'm gonna let it all fly out in the wind i don't care i was playing semi-pro football when i graduated from high school i didn't go to college i always like grew up watching wrestling i thought it was great i wanted to do it as a career but like in my environment nobody was thinking wrestling i come from like the, the ghetto for the lack of better terms. And like, you was either sports, if you was doing sports, it was either basketball, football. If you wasn't doing sports, it was like, you was gangbanging or, you know what I'm saying? Just, you wasn't doing anything. And I mean, I was playing football because I was good at it. 
But like, you know, I came to the point where I'm like, dang, like I'm wasting life away doing something I'm good at, not what I really want to do. Uh, I found a Monster Factory because when I was growing up, Seamus was like one of my favorite wrestlers. And I found out that he trained at the Monster Factory. So, um, wow. yeah, it was um, it was kind of like just one of those touch and go situations. Like I, I, I was on Twitter and then I had saw something Dan posted about the factory. And I'm like, hey, I need to get in there. He's like, well, what stopped you? I'm like, to be honest, nothing's stopping me. Like, let me go. I showed up. And then it's been kind of like a wild ride ever since. How did, how did, because you mentioned being, and if I'm getting some of these quotes wrong, please forgive me, but you, something on the lines of you paid $5,000 or whatever the fee was. You said it's the most money I've ever spent on, on anything in my life. How does a kid from the ghetto even come close to making that type of money to be able to afford it? Oh, me, me and Dan has had some uh, try, try, try tribulations about uh, this payment plan we had set up in place. You know what I'm saying? I'll always work with everybody. I always tell everybody, as long as you're making an effort, as long as you communicate with me, yeah. I would rather you come in and tell me you don't have the money than go away for two months because you didn't have the money. Right. I'd rather you come in, tell me you don't have the money, and then we'll work something out. I always will. I'd rather you training and pay me later than walk away and pay me when you got the money because then you're just you just lost all the work we put in. Yeah. And, and I'll always work with people. So, Bobby, what were you doing? Though? Were you working a, a side job to try and make as much money as you could? Yeah, I was working two jobs. I was working at FedEx and now I was working at Dairy Queen. Now I'm working at McDonald's. I'm still. Yeah. The grind never stops pretty much. You know what I'm saying? And um, the great thing about Dan was like he saw how much passion I had for the sport, regardless of like, you know, kind of the resources I didn't have at the time. Any other promoter could have been like, dang, you don't got the money for real. You know, just go ahead about your business or, you know, yeah. they don't they don't really care for real. But, you know, he worked with me the whole time. So he kind of got to see me develop. I don't know. I thought it was great. You know, Danny, you mentioned before you kind of made a little self-deprecating quote about my career. <laughs> I didn't even have a career. Well, it's interesting to me because from watching the show, I really liked how you talk to the students, how, like you mentioned, you are kind of a, a father figure to a lot of them. Uh, there's some great hockey coaches, maybe the greatest NHL coach of all time, Scotty Bowman, never played a game in the NHL. You don't have to be a huge star to be a great coach. As a matter of fact, sometimes the big stars aren't good coaches because they just did things naturally. Yeah. So you found a real affinity for being coached to, to these kids. Yeah, but here's here's what I'll say to that, Chris, and, and, and I appreciate you saying that, but like what everybody always says, because I have friends, I'm good friends with Sean Waltman, and he says it all the time. He, he'll say it to different people, like they have no business training people because they never did it and blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, hey, Sean, I never made it either. He goes, yeah, but you're the exception. I was like, yeah, but people aren't hearing that. All they're hearing is somebody saying, and they're going to insert it somewhere. There is no asterisk underneath what you just said. So everybody always says, and you'll see it on Twitter all the time. You, you have no business. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. That's what we're always going to run into. You know, there's, there's always going to be that. I have my own show on a TV and they'll still say I didn't make it. I've trained more people and got more shots and more hours training people than anybody probably in the last decade. But it still means I didn't make it because for some reason, making it means somebody giving you a contract to go play fight. And in my mind, that's mind blowing to me. That's not real. What I'm doing is actually real. Name the list of, of graduates from the Monster Factory. I had no idea that Seamus trained there. And obviously I mentioned Bam Bam Bigelow. But yeah. who are some of the modern era guys that have come through and girls? QT Marshall was training alongside me. And then he was a coach with me. Damian Priest, same thing. Uh, Matt Riddle. Nick Camarado was here with us, LSG, Shaheem Ali, Ian Riccoboni. Uh, right now, Felix Fernandez, the referee over at NXT. He was Sloan Jacobs. 
So yeah, that's just the little bit right now, you know, and that's like a decade. Oh, Steve Macklin, of course, he went to WWE and then now he's an impact. They, they should be strapping him up real soon because he's on a run, man. He's, he's on that run. Well, then we also had during the course of the show, the notorious Mimi. I always want to say the Magnificent Mimi, who was a female wrestler in the 80s, right? I can see her <laughs> yeah. I actually watched a Magnificent Mimi match recently just out of curiosity. It was good. I remember I thought she was, she was kind of hot, too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so during the course of the show, very early on, one of the, the side stories or one of the main stories is that Mimi gets the call to go for the for the WWE tryout, for the NXT tryout. Now, this is one of the, the ones in Orlando where you go, explain kind of the tryout that you had and what transpired there. So my first story with this is I was absolutely sure I was being scammed. I got hit up by the recruit page on Instagram and I was like, this is just someone trying to like get me kidnapped, isn't it? But they were like verified and I went through everything. I was like, oh shit, they actually uh, invited me to a tryout. It was a really cool tryout. It was pretty much at the peak of COVID still where there was a lot of concern around that. So we were getting tested every morning. Um, they were really particular about like going out of the hotel, making sure no one was going out partying and bringing stuff back in. Um, it was a three day process. The first day was mostly like just getting your medical stuff done. And then second day was like in ring and promos. And then third day was like people who actually know how to wrestle, like, cause it was half athletes and half wrestlers, which was a pretty interesting dynamic. Cause we got to meet a whole ton of different people. Um, the people who have previous experience wrestling have matches and then everyone cuts another promo and then we call it a day. But I actually got a maybe from my, which is something you don't really see in the show is I didn't get a yes from the original tryout, the three day one. I got a maybe. And then I went back for three weeks. I had an extended tryout. I lived down in Florida in a hotel for three weeks and I trained at the PC, which was honestly one of the coolest experiences ever. Cause it was like, I had nothing else to worry about. I was only wrestling and I was there from like seven to seven every day. Right. It was so cool. Yeah. I mean, I I guess they were like (laughs) kicking the tires, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just to see if that you were really this good for that long as opposed to just three days. That's the only reason I could think of that. From what I heard, they had a lot of the younger, because there was a lot of people who were either 18, 19, 20. They had a lot of the younger people that they wanted to sign come back just to see if they could actually tolerate the schedule, more or less. Maturity issues. Maturity, because there was a rule for a long time that they wouldn't sign anybody like in their teens. Yeah. He has he has an email from WWE a year before they signed me saying they wouldn't sign me until I was like 21. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And there's more to the story, which we'll get to. But but Danny, when you have you know one of your one of your students and probably one of your your, your better students gets signed like this, like are you feeling protective to make sure it goes well for her? Is it time to just let the the bird fly free? I mean, that's that's the that's the conundrum, right? Yeah, that, and that's I explained to her afterwards, and I only explained to her because I wanted to explain it also to Goldie because Goldie's doing things with like New Japan, New and, Japan, and he, right? Yeah. yeah, and he has anxiety issues, so I was like. When you guys get that tryout and you make it, my coaching, I'll still be there to help you, but I'm not going to offer it up. You can come to me for guidance, but I'm not there to guide you anymore. You're on your own. Right. Because that way you're not relying on me. Like, this is like my kid is graduated, went to college. Like, it doesn't help if I'm in the dorm room with her. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. When she left, I texted her once and didn't text her the rest of the time. And when she got home, I was like, tell me what happens. Tell me what's going, but I'll see you when you get in for training. And we didn't talk about it anymore because I'm not there to make them feel great and feel make them feel better because like that's not going to get their long term goal because it's about disappointment and being prepared. And if the whole time I'm going, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. How is it? How is it? And I'm texting them. Then it's finally when the rugs pulled out, everything's fallen out and it's time for them to 
it's funny I say, it, but get their own wings and fly, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's what she did. And, you know, and I'm so proud of them. Like, that was the thing that got me is like right when she got back, it was back to business. It wasn't I'm dreading this. I'm worried about this. Can we talk about this? It was no, I got business now. I'm in here. I got wrestling to do now. Right here is what's in front of me. And that's what these kids do. And it's it's a surreal feeling to have them get signed. You know, no matter how many times somebody gets signed, you still can't believe it. You know, it's like, yes, it's such a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's your trophy from the school, though. Going back yeah. to what we said before, of like, oh, what does he know about training? Well, you know enough that you have at least half a dozen or a dozen names signed that right. you just mentioned off the top of your head. And and here's the thing: to make it, you know, it it's almost near impossible. Like I said, it's near impossible. So my take on it is: if it's so hard, let's also give them some life lessons they can learn that they can actually apply to real world communicating, showing up on time, you know, letting people know what's going on in your life, all these things, being vulnerable, that's powerful. That's real life stuff, as opposed to we're going to work for eight hours on an arm bar. That's where my approach is. So like if they get signed, cool. If they don't, they're a better person for it. And a lot of people hated my take on training like that because I was doing that back in 11, 12, 13, 14. And people were like, your only job is to get them ready to wrestle and for TV. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because odds are they're not going to. So let's make sure they're also a good person. I'd have arguments with like 18 to 19 year old kids about, hey, go out there. You need a bank account. They're like, no, I work under the table. I'm like, yeah, but your girlfriend is pregnant. You can't do that forever. (laughs) You have to get a bank account. You know, and these are the conversations that I have with the students when most coaches would be like, that's not my job. My job is just to get you ready for TV. But that's not healthy. But I'll tell you what, even in, in, in WWE and in AEW, there are, uh, you know, seminars to make sure that people pay your taxes. And oh, yeah. Make sure that you've got your passport ready. I mean, you don't, you know, you guys know how flighty wrestlers can be. So they, it's very important to tell. Yes. Tell more than just the in the ring. I mean, Vince, Vince used to tell me all the time, I'm trying to teach you life lessons, not just wrestling lessons, because it all ties in together to learn how to be, you know, an adult. Right. And a product and a product people want to invest in. That's that's the big thing, too. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So, Bobby, one of the, one of the um, kind of the whole culmination of the show is the thread of the show is that is that Danny's going to put on a showcase at the Monster Factory, but nobody really knows who's going to be on it. Are you worthy of being on it? I'm not sure how long you guys were filming for, how much time there was before that show, but it was like five months. Five months. What are you doing in that time frame, Bobby, to to try and stand out so that Danny puts you on the show? Because, you know, spoiler alert, you do end up on the show, but you didn't know that. And you end up on the show in a very high position, but you didn't know that at the time. Yeah, it was kind of a big learning experience through the whole process. For one, um, that was the first title I've ever held, like in my whole wrestling career, being the top guy at the factory. I mean, it was like my mission to just stay disciplined 24 seven because I'm who everyone is looking up to at that time. So I'm making sure I'm at practice every day. You know what I'm saying? I'm making sure I'm eating the right things. I'm making sure I'm setting an example for people at the factory. And I mean, it was a, it was a grind. I mean, everybody makes mistakes and I kind of, you know, the great thing about wrestling is now I'm surrounded with people who kind of 
don't let me falter. The people, the people we train with, it's really a brotherhood, a family, a sisterhood, you know what I mean? And they kind of help me just, you know, stay on the right path. People all want to see each other succeed at the factory. But when you say you're eating the right thing, your gimmick is that you don't eat the right thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I eat just a lot, you know what I'm saying? So even if I'm even if I'm dogging up some some green beans, like, you know, it's a whole big plate of them. It don't just stop. it don't just stop just because it's green beans. I would still go crazy on I like broccoli, I like cauliflower, I like all that. He has lost a lot of weight though. He's he's under three hundred for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I when we first started filming this, I was three thirty five. Now I'm two eighty five. But when we when I first started training at the factory, I was 350. So I'm close to like 70 pounds lost. It's been like a crazy journey, but I'm just trying to, you know, stay in my mode. It's just been consistency. How old are you? I'm 24. So so let me ask you this, because we mentioned it before and Danny mentioned it. First, you, you wanted to wear a singlet and then mm -hmm. Danny, did you convince him to not? Where a single how did that conversation all go? You want me to tell the you want me to tell the origin story of Bobby Buffet? You can tell the origin story. I'll tell you. All right. All right. So here it's pretty cool. So like Bobby didn't have his name is Hurley Jones. Yeah. So <laughs> he came in one time wearing a white headband and comes walking across. I was like, Who do you think you are? Bobby Lashley? I was like, Bobby Bu <laughs> and I go, Bobby Buffet. And then we both looked at each other and we went, yo. <laughs> and then we both went, yo. <laughs> and then that's all it took. And then, and then we started talking about like, eat, eat, eat. Instead of like a spear, it's spear ribs. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ferran on commentary is talking about twisted steel, uh, you know, sex appeal and happy meals and stuff like that. So like, yeah. I told him like, it would be great if he like did like the outline of him jumping in the air, like Roman Reigns and said like head of the buffet table. <laughs> I was like, I'd buy that because like, here's the outline of a chubby dude that could sell to anybody. No one needs to know it's pro wrestling. That could be like a dad wanting to buy that. Like, yeah, I'm the head of the buffet table. <laughs> that's how we did it. And then I was like, if you're going to do this, like you wouldn't be ashamed to wear anything. Like I need you in trunks. I need you out there. Like, just do it. And I was like, you look great. You're athletic. Like yeah. it's a cosmetic business, but as long as it's functionality, you can get away with that cosmetics because it, it, it adds to your character. Well, dude, it's, it's, it's like, it's like a black dusty roads, like dusty right, roads right. never more. And dusty was a big guy, but it was exactly. the charisma and he was an every man. You know? Dude, that that when he was wrestling Tully Blanchard and, and Dusty's blown up and he would sit in the corner to regain his wind and then get back there and beat up Tully like that was awesome. Like that was him like leaning into his character, you know, because he could he could go, go, go. But you could tell he was leaning into his character for that. It was so great. And that's what Bobby does. 350 pounds of sex appeal and happy meal. Yeah, that's a good, I like that one. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It was a little bit of a transitional like anxiety though, like uh taking my shirt off. But I think uh sure once I did it and kinda like the positive reception I got from everybody, you know, it's it's not like my stomach was going anywhere. It's not like it was gonna disappear <laughs> through a shirt. Like you can still see what's going on, you know what I mean? So I'm like, Yeah, we might as well go with it. And uh people like embraced it with open arms. It's, it kinda helps out a lot. When I first switched from long tights to, to trunks in like two thousand and nine. Yeah, I was nervous because I only wore like tights. My whole, and I walked out of the dressing room. Uh, I remember it was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Bruce Pitcher was standing there. And he goes, "What have you been hiding your legs for? You got you got muscular legs. You should be wearing trunks." I was like, "Yes." Then three seconds later, I saw Dean Malenko, and he goes, 
you look ridiculous. <laughs> I'd have been reversed when I saw Dean first. You look ridiculous. I might have went back into the yeah, locker room and yeah. never <laughs> done it again. So it ta- even for me, it's like it's like you're ner- is it, or is it gonna look good? Am I gonna look stupid or what? Right? Oh yeah. It's it's a that's a lot of anxiety with when it goes into the like gear. Like you don't think it's a big deal, but what you wear out there, it, it really messes your, your with your head. Of course it does. Yeah. Now Mimi, you you mentioned your tryout. Now finally you get this call that you get signed, and then, and then you're off the show because now you've gone to, to, to WNXT. So tell us what happened because from what I understand, you're now not signed anymore. Yes. Kind of tell us about your journey and what happened because once again, you got signed at very, very young age. So uh, I was signed for, I want to say eight or nine months. It was from mid-March to October 31st. We love getting fired on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I was carving a pumpkin, damn it. Yes. <laughs> it's great to get the holidays in. <laughs> you love that. But it was honestly a really amazing experience. The whole time I was down there, I got to work with the normal coaches. People always bring up like Robbie Brookside, Norman Smiley, uh, AJ Winkler, who's uh, from WXW in Germany. Um, Mm. I really enjoyed learning all those super different styles. I feel like it expanded what I knew a lot, but I wasn't on TV all that much as anyone who really, you know, kept up would be able to tell you. I had three main TV matches and that was it the whole time I was down there. And I'm not really sure I never received particular guidance on what they wanted changed or not. But I think as most people who've been around the business or specifically paid attention to the way that the WWE developmental system works for a while, mass releases are a really common thing. And I was one of like five or six specifically on that day and definitely one of like 20 or 30 in that year that, you know, just got the boot at some point. They didn't offer a ton of explanation. Um, it was like a, a minute long phone call, but I got a call the next day from the head coach, which I really appreciated. Matt Bloom gave me a call and was just like, Hey, we appreciated your work. You worked hard and we hope you don't like, you know, leave wrestling for this, which I both felt like very complimented by. And at the same time, I was like, I'm not going to leave wrestling for this. You don't own my, you <laughs> do not own my love for wrestling. Like I'm going to wrestle anyway. Thank you very much. But like, I really appreciated everyone there and everyone was super friendly. I just wish, you know, maybe it had gone on a little longer. What, what was your name there? Sloan Jacobs. Sloan Jacobs. Yes. I love the soap opera names everybody gets there. It's like days of our lives. Sloan Jacobs. Yeah. <laughs> you come across as very, very mature for your age, which you have to be to be in this biz. And you can tell even with your, your mom is interviewed on the show and she's very, you know, like my mom was the same kind of supportive, but like what the happened here he's he's supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer or a hockey player what is this but how did that feel for you barely out of your teens the hives high of highs of being signed to your dream job and then i'm sure probably the lows of lows of getting of getting released and you're still like what were you thinking yeah i was still 19 when i got fired actually um it definitely really sucked but at the same time part of me immediately went i actually get to wrestle again like i was so excited because I had done nothing for like three months. I'd pitched stuff, it'd gotten ignored, like I'd offered storylines, characters, stuff like that, and it'd gone like completely unnoticed, and I couldn't even really get on live events for the life of me. Even though I was really sad, one, I think it was kind of one of those things where you see it coming, but more so I was just like, thank God I get to actually wrestle again, because I had 13 matches in 2022, which is like way low for me or something like that. And I've already had like 38 this year. 
damn. Nobody wants to be signed and just sit and catering all day. Yeah. You know, I talk it's, to guys guys and girls in AW all the time, like, how can we do more? Like, everybody wants to be involved. So, yeah, sure, you're working for, for NXT, but you're really not. Yeah. It's like you feel privileged to, you know, get the training and, you know, be able to make the paycheck. But at the same time, if you're not, you know, actually producing the products, you feel kind of like pointless being there. I was hurt for her because I'm just like, you know, when you have somebody that young, like stick it out, give them more opportunity to grow or just communicate more with her about like why she was let go. Everything with me is like communications key. So like, I was also worried. Like I, I didn't think she would quit wrestling, but I didn't want her to become jaded on wrestling because there's a huge difference. There's people that are in wrestling and sometimes you're like, I wish you would go away. I wish you would just leave. That wasn't the case with her. Like she came back and it was just like, like I say in the show, business as usual. She's super mature for her age. Like she was like this when she was 14 and 15 when I was training her. That's the way she's always been. But I could tell, like, you know, we've, we had discussions and we talked about it. But like, I think the hardest transition was for her was to see it on the screen and get to experience all that it was it was almost like imagine like you you met your dream person you married them and then you got divorced but your wedding is now like on tv you know that's like that thing like where i was worried about her emotionally more than i was worried about her like in wrestling wise she was forthcoming and everything that she felt about it and i know people from wwe who told me like hey it wasn't on her it was just a numbers thing and i was like yeah that's fine and I, and she'll catch on somewhere because she's good if you're good in wrestling and consistent you're going to catch on somewhere eventually do you want a beautiful lawn enter true green the easiest way to get a great lawn just water and mow and they'll do the rest weed control fertilization aeration and more true green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the pga tour and they have a verified best price which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality you do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So, Bobby, how, how long have you been at the Monster Factory for? I've been at the Monster Factory since 2018, so five years now. So I, I think we even see this in the documentary. I can't remember if it's when Mimi got signed or maybe when Goldie gets the New Japan opportunity. How do you feel after being at the school for five years uh, when other guys and girls get signed? So it's kind of like a positive and a negative. I take like both from the situation on one end, you know, I'm very happy because I, I started a little after them, but um, we're learning pretty much the same things kind of at the same time. So it's like, okay, on one end, I'm happy you made it. And I'm, it kind of gives me like the feeling that I'm learning the right things and that I'm around the right people. On the other hand, though, I'm a little older than the two of them. So sometimes, you know, it does worry me a little bit in a sense where, you know, I'm like, you know, I think I'm good enough to be signed right now. I think uh, I'm good enough for somewhere to have a chance on me. So sometimes I feel like my window is, you know, limited. Do you work other shows outside of the Monster Factory, like in the north in the northeast area? Yeah, I go a lot to beyond. I go a lot to, you know, a lot of, you know, smaller indies around like Connecticut, uh, PA, Delaware. I, I've been mostly on the northeast but i'm trying to you know build my brand bigger than just that done extra work at a couple you know smaller places 
one of the things I like, Danny, is when you told uh, Bobby, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you right. doing to promote yourself? And you have Bobby print up some flyers and go to local stores and restaurants to post them up. Tell us kind of more of the story about behind that, where you came with the, the idea. And then I want to hear, Bobby, what your reaction was when, when Danny told you this. Here's the thing. So I gave him this gimmick, Bobby Buffet, and I wanted him to run with it and get creative with it. And you have all these tools and he wasn't utilizing them. Like he was just happy that the local crowd was on board. But I was trying to explain to him, we're not local now. We're going to be national. You have to get out there. You have to make your name bigger. You're not just that pizza store on the corner. We're take. We're going to go worldwide now. We're, we're going to be a chain, you know, so you got to brand yourself. And then yeah. Bobby thought like he was like in big trouble, but I like, cause whenever I do the, Hey, we're going to talk outside. That's why I always go, guys, you're not in trouble. This isn't, I hate you. This isn't, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, they didn't tell me that he did all that stuff. I had just told him like, Hey, go out there. Yeah. So they didn't, I didn't see it until I saw it. (laughs) Like everything involved with this show, honestly, like those guys, the principal cast might not have been on the show. And I told them the directors, the producers, and they're like, yeah, but what if I go, I don't care about your, what if this is my business and I'm not screwing with my business. If they're not doing what they should be doing, they're not going to make the show. I don't care. That's your angle. It's Dan doesn't put up with bullshit. There's your angle. So like when Bobby did all that stuff, I was super impressed. I didn't see any of that stuff until the show came out. He told me he did it, but I'm like, yeah, sure you did. Sure, kid. Because like, <laughs> here's the thing. Like we, we've 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 handed out flyers to people before. And then like six months later, like we're doing something. And like all of a sudden I go into a glove compartment. And I'm like, why are all these flyers in your fucking glove compartment? For him to say he did it. I was like, yeah, there's proof. There's actually video proof of Bobby doing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Bobby, so so Danny says this as a throwaway comment, and what's your? Because obviously you go and do it. So what were your? What was your attitude when he said that to you? I thought it was legitimate. I mean, for one, I was, I was very uh, laser focused on being part of the showcase because I felt that it'd be a big opportunity to kind of show people that I do deserve. Like first impression never really been my stilo, as you could tell. You know, I'm a big boy in uh, professional wrestling's eyes. It's like. I could be hit or miss, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think the showcase was important to me. So I was willing to do whatever I could to earn that spot, essentially. So, so tell us when you like, I'm sure there was some business owners that told you to get the hell out of here. Where, where were you going to with your flyers? Yeah, man, I went to this, I went to this fancy restaurant in Philly. I forgot what it was called. They, they like stopped me at the door. It was like, yo, bro, like, I'm like, what y'all doing? I'm trying to hit my flyer. What was it, Shea Whitey? I don't know what it was. It was in City <laughs> City. Uh, but me and them got beef now. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> no, but uh, a lot of places were, it's, it's funny because like a lot of the local places were so like willing to, for me to put their stuff up. But like, you know, going beyond local, like, social media promoting myself like i've been taking it more seriously and trying to you know invest more eggs in just myself you know you have to do that i was going to ask you guys being you know 24 and 20 like obviously social media is so important you know here i am after 32 years in wrestling and understand just how important it is but when i was 19 and 24 there was no social media so you could go have a, a bad match or you could go you know whatever it may be and, and no one would ever really know about it nowadays that's not the case so how does social media affect you guys as young performers both from a, a practical side and also from a mental side you want to answer that, Mimi, first? 
I mean, it definitely makes you feel like there's like no real time off per se. Like, right. especially when I was working for WWE, because you're going everywhere, you know, around Florida where people expect to see wrestlers. So they're always keeping an eye out a little bit. You feel like if you're leaving the house, you have to look presentable. You have to be, you know, not acting up or anything. You got to be making sure you're not starting any arguments. You're staying calm. You're driving well. Like, I always felt like I was going to like cut someone off and they'd be like i see your nxt parking pass how dare you (laughs) but i think especially like as a woman marketing yourself on social media is really weird because it's never you know your wrestling posts that do great so you have to like find this balance of letting people into your real life without letting them intrude on your actual like real life everyday thoughts like I want to be able to just make a post on social media, close my phone and then go do my normal daily thing. I shouldn't be like, Oh, I'm going to this place today. I should make sure I get content. Like it's a weird balance to try to strike, to make sure that you're engaging people and letting them into your life, but also not spending all of your time engaging back with them. Cause I want to live my real life first. Sure. Sure. And then, you know, but, but I would think too, like it's one of the things that in AW that, that I teach a lot of the younger guys and girls because most of them didn't work for for the WWE system and you do learn a lot about professionalism there like what you just said is the rule i mean gene simmons from kiss you might not even know who gene simmons is but <laughs> gene simmons danny does told me years ago always look like a star always look like a star anytime you go out of your house like you know always look like a star or especially when you're on camera or whatever it may be and and i think that's something that Vince's system, WWE and NXT, teaches you. Am I right about that, Mimi? Yeah, it's like you always got to make sure, you know, I heard this story about these wrestlers went to an airport and two of them showed up in suits and one of them had a sweatsuit and they were on the same plane as an executive and he literally fired the guy just for showing up not looking like a professional to the airport and it's like one of those things it made me super paranoid i'm not gonna lie like every time i left the house i was like can i go to the grocery store in sweatpants or will i die today (laughs) it's definitely one of those things where you get super cognizant of everything you're doing maybe to too much of a degree but it's it's nice to a certain extent you know to learn how to present yourself properly in public all the time and, and, and you're right about that. So, so, but let's go back to the the story of the show with the showcase. And I'm assuming that this is, you know, you never know what's 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 the show business aspect of it, and what's what are the producers doing. But how how are you finally starting to put together the showcase card? And what was the idea behind the showcase, Danny? Who are you inviting to this, and what, what do you kind of want to get out of it? So the concept behind the showcase was. The directors and the producers are like, hey, what would cap off this show? What do you think it would be? And I was like, well, a big show. And it would be great if we could get somebody from AEW there, WWE there, different talent scouts there to like come and scout our talent as opposed to us sending talent there. And they were like, that's great. But what are we going to do? And I was like, well, if we're going to do this, we need bigger names for it. I was like, the Monster Factory can draw, but we're not drawing 2,000 people. We need some names involved. Right. And they were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, let me reach out to some of my friends. So I reached out to a lot of people I just knew in wrestling. You know, Homicide was like, yep, in. Josh Woods, yep, in. You know, people like that. It was more or less like I wanted to see our wrestlers against the best of the best out there. And then once it came to the main event, I was like, you know what? I want to give the finger to everybody. I want to say 
we don't need anybody. Cause I knew if we had Bobby with somebody else, like say if like Mike uh, Bennett and Bobby lit up the, the arena and it was a five-star match, they'd go, yeah, but that was because Bennett helped Bobby run that match. So I wanted to, you know, with a chip on my shoulder, I was like, I want the main event to be all monster factory people. And everybody's going to leave happy as can be with this match. And they did, they killed it. And, but it wasn't, that wasn't in stone at the time, you know, we were thinking maybe a tag team with Bobby and Goldie and maybe against the Hardys or something and, and different things like that and how we could do it. And then I just said, you know what, screw it. Like we got here by doing things our way and we're going to continue. It's going to be four monster factory guys, lighten it up and let's see where the cards fall. And they, and they killed it. They did. They killed it. And Bobby, how did you feel about all that? I was ecstatic. It was everything to me to be able to perform at like the highest capacity. I just, I don't know. It's everything I ever dreamed of, even at this level, even though I'm not where I want to be yet, like in the grand scheme of my career, every day I fall more and more in love with professional wrestling, just getting the chance to be part of moments like that. You know what I mean? Like it's my first time in that arena. I get to perform in front of my family, in front of thousands of people. I got to main event a card full of people I've watched on TV. So it was like, it was mind blowing. It was it was exciting, but at the same time, it was just a testament to how much sacrifice it was like finally paid off in my eyes. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Were you keeping uh, track of everything that was going on at the Monster Factory, Mimi, when you were when you were in, in NXT or was it hard? I watched every show that they streamed, I want to say, because uh, my boyfriend, who's in the show a lot, Travis Jacobs, was still flying up and wrestling on their shows. Actually, I made a, I agented their main event in the <laughs> showcase match. <laughs> I forget who else was supposed to be agenting all of those, but someone like flipped out and had to go walk off. And I was like, no, nah, I got this because um, I just flown in to watch because it was like Fourth of July weekend. I ended up having to fly back at midnight that night, but I thought I had the weekend off at the time. So I. <laughs> flew in to like just watch the match but then the the spot kind of just like opened up so all i was doing was really giving time cues because i don't like telling people what to do but <laughs> technically i was agenting even though i was really just sitting there like all right you've got three minutes now and that was it so danny do you use like obviously i know for the showcase kevin kelly was there and um I think Ian Riccoboni was there and, and, you know, QT Marshall's in the documentary, like you mentioned, he's obviously in the AEW office. Yeah. Are you calling these guys as your contacts and saying, can you take a look at these, at these people or, cause you got to kind of tread lightly, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, I'm, you'll find like, like for example, like me and QT are friends. We barely talk wrestling and I'd never want to know any storyline stuff. Like, Damian Priest, Riddle, all those guys, like, we'll just, I'll say, how's everything going? You know, blah, blah, blah. But I really don't want to do that. And I really don't want to say, hey, I had this person to take a look at. I'll email different people and I'll try to get them extra work. But I'm not like, I don't like to say like, hey, here's my student. Because like, it's, there's not going to be somebody always there for them. They have to try to brand themselves, you know. I'll be there if by chance they come in and I go, hey, here's this person. They're really good. But I'm not a big fan of like, hey, I have this person. Kevin Kelly, it was by happenstance, you know. Kevin Kelly came by to do a 
seminar with us. And I said, he goes, Hey, who are your guys? I said, I was like, watch the golden era. Those are my guys. But like, I don't reach out to people. I don't, I don't say like, Hey, you know, you got to get this person on your show. I just don't do that. That's for them. They got to, they got to understand that hustle themselves. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I always say everybody in pro wrestling is your own business. Treat it like you're a store in the mall. If you're a store in the mall, you don't go, Hey, I failed because the mall didn't use me properly. No, your store in that mall, you need to get everybody's attention on you. If you fail, that's on you. That's my take on everything. If somebody like, for example, Apple TV, I look at their social media. I don't see much about Monster Factory on it. That's fine. I'm not a big name. I'm not a big star. They have other shows to worry about. But guess what I'm going to do? On my end, I'm going to make sure everybody within my radius knows about me and my company. Right. And that's all I can do. And that's the same thing that I say for every wrestler. Stop just worrying about, hey, who's coming to see me? No, you do everything and eventually everybody will come to see you. You do everything you're supposed to worry about and eventually they'll come and find you. That's my take. No, you're right. You got to hustle. You always yeah. got to hustle. And I don't care what level you're at. You have to keep hustling at all times because especially nowadays, there's so much going on in the world that if you don't let people know what's going on, you can't just assume they're going to find it. Yeah. Nobody's going to knock on your door and say, hey, I heard you did this. No, it, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And and that's, and that's why, like, also, like, as, as far as the show goes, if this show would have checked in with me and saw my social media not being updated every day and I wasn't returning their emails and I wasn't being a good person, they'd be like, we're not doing business with you. Right. You know, there's people in wrestling that won't do business with me because they think I'm a bad guy. But here's Apple TV Plus, this huge company that does background checks upon background checks and doesn't deal with CD people. They gave me my own show. But for some reason in pro wrestling, I'm not likable. So that's <laughs> that's you know what I mean? Like that blows my mind. And like everybody on the set's like, I can't believe you have this reputation. I was like, yeah, because I tell the truth and people don't like that. Mm-hmm. I tell the truth and it's not always nice. But at the same time, it's kind because I'm trying to tell you something so you improve. You know, like when I was yelling at Mimi, you're boring. She knows what I was saying. I didn't mean she was a boring person. I'm saying you're coming off as boring when you're nothing like boring. So show them. Same with Bobby. Like when I'm telling him, like, listen, you're talented. You're this, you're that. I'm not telling you you're only going to make it locally. I'm saying think nationally, get bigger, get better. You can't just pigeonhole yourself or else everyone's just going to pass you by. That's just my take on these things. Like it's branding 101. As we start to, to wind down here, what did you guys think, Bobby and Mimi and Danny, too, when you saw the show back? Because once again, you don't know what you're going to get in the edit. Uh, were you nervous when it started coming on? I'm sure you probably binged it all in one night just to see, am I in it? What part did they put in there? Why don't you start, Bobby? Yeah, I was nervous in a sense just to make sure everything came out in the best light possible. But uh, I wasn't really too worried about that because, like I said, the Monster Factory is just like a safe space for everyone there. I never had to worry too much about anything bad happening because we all got each other's back. Uh, we all don't want each other to look bad. But, yeah, I was really happy with the way it was put together. I think it makes me very likable. People were telling me from Apple before, they're like, ah, you know, my mom's falling in love with you. My mom's falling in love with you. I'm like, yo, I got a girlfriend. You can't be saying all that stuff. So, <laughs> but uh, I thought it, I thought it was put together really well. I was excited to see how it all came together. How about you, Mimi? I mean, I thought it looked amazing. For me, it's a kind of hard watch back at the moment because I get to watch how excited I am to get a job that I lose eight months later. (laughs) But it's definitely something that I'm glad I have on film. And I think it's something that I'm going to love to look back on for like years to come. It's just for now, it's a little raw. Mm, I understand. I understand. What did you think overall, Danny? I'll probably get emotional because I'm a sap. But like my stuff with my mom. Yeah. 
that meant a lot to me. Um, and Apple and the whole team like handled it like pros. Like um, they didn't like push the boundaries. They're like, we don't want to exploit her, but if you want to get her involved, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, she's always going to be there. If the show is nothing and it doesn't go on and it's, you know, season one, like that's lifetime of memories. And I think that's what's uh, important with pro wrestling is like, that's what the sh- show is about. It's like creating memories and it's, and it's learning from things and it's growth and everything. Like I was so happy. Like I just remember like seeing the final product on my TV. It's still surreal to me. Like right to go on TV and look to see yourself there. And I'm like, in my head, I knew this was always going to happen. I always had the attitude of I am better. But like when you're ahead of your time, you're always doubted and it takes a while for people to catch up. You know this, Chris, like you, you, you are ahead of your time and I, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Thank you. But like for me to have this chip on my shoulder since 2011 coaching and then to see this on here and everything, there's still doubters and there's still that chip on my shoulder now. So now it's making me go to that next goal and it's like, okay, what's next? It's season two and it's, and it's this. And like, sure. Even after the show, like if you notice, like Bobby had this great match, I just pat him on his back and I said, I'm proud of you. And I moved on because this is not the end of the story. There's much more to go. I'm not a big celebration guy. I'm a high five and let's move on. There's other memories to create. There's more to do. So to see it all there, I'm like, this is awesome, but like, we have more to do. I'm anxious. I need to get this out there. I need your millions of followers. I need this person. I need everybody to know about this because I think it's life-changing stuff. I don't think it's just pro wrestling. I think it's life in general, life-changing things. That's how prideful I am in this show. And they let me have my feedback. Like The director sat down with me and they were like, Hey, this is what we want to do. And I was like, if you don't do this, I'm going to destroy you. I was like, I won't do it (laughs) financially because I don't have the money Apple, but I don't want us looking like idiots. And I don't want these kids exploited. And they did not like, they were awesome. Like I love the crew, like Apple TV plus Vox media and public record greatest people I've ever dealt with in professional wrestling. And they're not even from the world of professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Like top notch people. Well, and there's so many great characters too. And not just Bobby and Mimi, but also you talk about Goldie, who was very interesting. Yes. Twitch, obviously Twitch. Is, is very interesting. All their different stories. We can't have everybody on, but it sure was uh, an interesting watch. Like I said, whether you're a wrestling fan or whether you aren't, it's it's heartwarming and it shows a little bit of how hard it is, like you said, to make it in this business, which is not easy to do. Uh, last few things. So, Bobby, you mentioned you've been at the Monster Factory for five years. When is it time to leave the Monster Factory? Do you stay forever or what's the, what's your plan? Right the heck now. Somebody come scoop me up, baby. Kindness, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. man. Uh, Yes, come find me. I'm hungry. Let's go. <laughs> what What are you doing to make that happen, though? Have you tried to go overseas, or, or what do you What do you need to do to get to the next level? I'm open to go everywhere. I'm literally going to shows, making my face known, promoting my brand as we go. But you know, the grind doesn't stop. Like I've been, you know, the showcase came out, and everyone seen me how I am. Like you know, portrayed on this show, you can see me now. Like the difference is nice. I'm clean, baby. I'm I'm, I'm working out. You know, I'm I'm eating. I'm training every day. I'm. I'm out here. I'm ready to go. <laughs> How about you, Mimi? What do you what do you what do you do now that you have the NXT opportunity? Now you don't. What what do you do to get back going again? So I think my focus right now, before I got signed, it was very much on like expanding my brand and stuff. Like he was saying, just making sure I'm getting everywhere. Right now, my focus is just building my confidence in myself as a product. I want to make sure that 
I feel so sure of what I'm presenting that if I ever get this opportunity and lose the job again, I question them instead of myself or what I'm producing. I just, right. I, I want to right now focus on my in-ring work, my character, my promos, what I'm presenting and myself as a product rather than just like expanding. Cause I think I was only, and it worked, it got me there, but I was only focused on making sure I could go out and do stuff and do this and do that and add it to my resume. But at the moment, it's more just about like what I present and what I can offer to someone else. Danny, what's the future of the Monster Factory on your end? Business as usual, man. Like nothing's changed. Uh, More hours, more students. My big thing is I want as many people to train as possible and realize that dream. If it means season two, that's cool. If it doesn't, we're still going to do our thing. Does it mean I'll work with other companies? I would love to work with other companies. But again, I would like to work with other companies. I'm not a big fan of working for other companies. So that's my take. Like Monster Factory is always going to be our thing. Um, No matter who comes calling, Apple didn't change us. Nobody's going to change us. Like I do things my way. That's why I think some people love me. Some people hate me. But like with the students like this, all the other people we have, like I think it's limitless what we can do, whether it means more shows and bigger spotlights on us or we start running more shows at like the arena. I don't know. Like we're staying the course right now. But like I always tell the students, like things can change. Everything can change. They might say like tomorrow we have to start filming for season two and we have to be prepared. So that's why we say like be ready by always staying ready. And, that, and that's our take on it right now. Like the kids will tell you, like nothing has changed. We've been training the same way for years meaning like the same mentality of like work 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 uh help each other look out for each other and the ones that aren't let them go like don't worry about them because if you can see it the experts in pro wrestling can see how many shows a week do you, or how many shows do you have at the monster factory is it like a monthly thing or we used to do more than two a month but now like once the show came out I told everybody, I was like, the schedule for 2023 is going to be maybe once a month. So you guys can go out and make your money Gotcha. because right, you're right, going right. to have more of a demand. And, and I, and I, you know, we have a policy like where I don't pay our wrestlers, but you can go ahead and market yourself. You can sip any kind of merchandise you sell, keep all of it. Any bookings you get, keep all of it. But when you come for the monster factory, you can train here for life, but you're going to wrestle for free, but go make your money. And that's, it's worked out for years. Last question. What's your, Mimi, what's your favorite part of the, of the documentary? Is there a scene that stands out that you like the best? Uh, this is actually a very easy question for me. It's a super short moment. It's actually something that they only thought they were going to film for the proof of concept, but they included it in the actual film. It's me riding around on my childhood horse on uh, my old property. I don't live there anymore. We sold that house and that horse he was like 18 he passed away like a year later so it's like the last footage i have with him and i think it's so sweet i love that it's in the movie or in the docuseries sorry it's it makes me smile every time i see it how about you bobby that's easy too. We had rented out the buffet uh, for that one little scene, the dream sequence. Yo, I don't know so who good. was in charge of the kitchen, but somebody made some big chicken wings. I and, and it was six. We had to do the whole rip the bone off the chicken, bro. I messed up every single one except the last one on purpose because the wings were so daggone good. So good. How about you, Danny? Favorite moment? I think my favorite moment was my closure with my mom and like holding her hand there and, and, and her being like, Hey, you're just there for me. Cause that's life. You know, sometimes you don't have to, like, I, I put out my number all the time and tell people to call me if they're going through stuff. And I'm like, I don't have the answers. I just have time. 
sometimes you just need someone there for you. Right, right. And that that was probably my favorite. But if not, like I think it was just all the different stories. Like there was just so many different stories in it. It's 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 one of those things where I can't put a, a, a my finger on like one certain thing. There's so many like when you watch it, you're like, oh, that's it, and you're like, oh, but what about this one? It's like your favorite movie, you know. There's right. so many favorite scenes, like Tommy Boy. I could give you 20 different favorite scenes for that, yeah. movie, you know. I think the honorable mention has to go to Gabby's dad, Tito, who is yes. hilarious. Yeah. Tito is hilarious. That section is so funny. Oh, Tito. Yeah, the the one where Gabby says like, uh, "I'm going to try to get there early," and and Tito's just yeah, like, sure. uh, you, "If you leave an hour ago, you'd be there early." <laughs> but that's her. But yeah, that's that. that There's some of the fun moments of the show. It was great. It, it's a great show, and like I said, open the door to get to know some of your students, and hopefully there'll be more more episodes. And if there isn't, it sure was a great uh, advertisement for the Monster Factory and for for Bobby Buffet and for. for the notorious Mimi. So thank you guys so much for, uh, for hanging with me today. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you.